Welcome to the podcast of Faith Chapel with Pastor Richard Rogers. It's a privilege to bring this message to you, and we hope it brings you greater faith, hope, and love in the Lord. Please know that Pastor Rich prays personally for you, our listeners, each and every week. Thank you for joining us today. We're in the series with Faith in God, Five Smooth Stones, and I've titled this message, God's Glory is the Paramount Goal in David's Heart. God's Glory is the Paramount Goal in David's Heart. We began our study in 1 Samuel 17, 1 through 11, and today we'll be looking at the next verse, 12 through 28. It's that well-known story of David and Goliath. Now, we're not going to get to the battle yet. We're not going to get to David's stone quite yet. But it's the story of a young boy whose faith and act glorified God Almighty. This story gives us a clear picture of a young lad who is simply doing what his father asked him to do and finds himself at a crossroads. A crossroads of faith and fear. Of stay and fight or shrink back and run. Of moving forward or remaining silent, of glorifying God, or glorifying self. We find ourselves at a crossroads of life every day. Will David follow his older brother's actions and shrink in fear? Will David listen to his brother and, and go home? Or will he take the stand for what he knows in his heart is right? And see, David refused to let his brother sway him. David wanted to know more, and he took the spiritual stance that King Paul should have taken. David takes the stand for the glory of God Almighty. David defends the honor and name of God Almighty. David, by his action, stepped out in faith that God is glorified before the Israelites, before the Philistine nation, and the entire world. David wanted all the world to know that there was God in Israel. And we want everyone to know that there is a God, a creator, a giver of life, whose son, Jesus, God and rose again, who we can hope and achieve life in Christ. See, David's faith did not waver. He trusted God with all of heart and his life. God was with David every step of the way. So if you have your Bibles, begin reading 1 Samuel 17, verse 12. David was the son of the trouble sometimes Ephrathite. Aren't you glad we don't have biblical names like that? Named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem, Judah. Jesse had 
eight sons, and in his time, he was old and well advanced in years. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Paul to the war. The first one, Eliab, the second, Benadab, and the third, Shammah. David was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Paul. But David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem, verse 16, for 40 days. The Philistines came forward every morning and took his stand. Now, Jesse said to his son David, Take the epaulm of roasted grain and eat ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along the ten pieces to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back my children from them. They are with Paul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Verse 20. Early in the morning, David left the flock with the shepherd, loaded up, and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle position, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle line, and greeted his brother. Verse 23. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his out of his usual defiance, and David heard it. When this light falls to him, they all ran from him with great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, Do you see what is the king? He comes to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage, he will exempt his family. His father's from the taxes in Israel. So David asked the men standing there, What will be done for the man who killed this Philistine and listed the remainder part of the verse and removed this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the army of the living God? They had saying, told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. Then Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men who burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Heaven Father, look to the word. Our hearts, Holy Spirit, give us ears here and a heart that is fertile and receptive for what you have told us today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Friend, David took a to Goliath to find God in the army of God. 
Look at verse 26, if you would. David sees Goliath as someone defying the army of the living God. Not just the army of Paul, but the army of the living God. Goliath was defying God Almighty when he spoke against the Israel army. David takes it as a personal offense against God when Goliath defied the army of the living God. David asks, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the army of the living God? Who is this guy? Who speaks this way about God Almighty? It's like a the men of Paul's army took it more as a threat against them. They did not take it as a threat against God or see any spiritual implication of Goliath's words. They were spiritually They were only concerned about themselves. Look at verse 25. Do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. They weren't worried about God or God's name. They weren't worried about it. that. They were just kind of talking or complaining with this guy, this Goliath guy who's nine feet tall, who has armor that weighs over 100 pounds, who has a spear that weighs over 30 pounds, the head, 30 pounds, which even a 12 foot long spear who has a guy in front of him with an armor bearer. Who is this guy? He comes out and defies Israel. And then, you know, they say, whoever kills him, they're going to be rewarded. The king's going to be rewarded by, they don't have to pay the tax. And the king's going to give his daughter to him. And all of this stuff, it's all the riches. It's all about this. Who's going to go? David wasn't concerned about that. David viewed the battle as a battle between an ungodly, uncircumcised enemy versus the army of the Lord. It was not simply a battle between two armies in David's life. It was more than simply a physical battle. It had a spiritual aspect about it. For it was the reputation of God Almighty was blind. Sometimes, what looks as common or normal physical occurrence may not be so normal. What may start out looking like a physical battle, I believe, often involves a spiritual battle. You know, it's a physical thing, but there is a spiritual battle. The enemy, do you trust God? Do you, are you going to rely on him and pray and ask him to heal you? Do you believe God can heal you? All of that. There's a spiritual aspect to it going on. Whatever you may be facing, there I believe there is a spiritual aspect, a spiritual battle that the enemy kind of wants to, to bring. Remember Eve. Eve is out in the garden and the serpent comes in and says, uh, did God really say that you can't from the tree or from the tree. You don't twist things to get you to wonder, to doubt. See, we may not recognize the total spiritual significance of this event at first or of any of them. 
But like David, we must learn to be spiritually sensitive to the things around us. We need to be a person who can stand for the name of God and push back against the enemy of God who defies the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, it's not you that who can do it. It's not you who can do it. We need to ask the Lord to open up our spiritual eyes and ears and to always be on in the text that we just read, we learn a little bit about uh, the background information regarding the battle that was about to, to face, about to take place. We already know that the Philistines and the Israelites were, were enemies. We, we now learn that David is the youngest of just eight sons. David is a shepherd boy, caring for his father's sheep. But we will soon learn that David defeated a lion bear while caring for his father's flock. I did not face a bear or a lion without a cage between me. These are fierce and deadly animals. They prey on defense sheep. The enemy of God. Pray on sheep. We need God. We need to pray for God to go before us. Just like he did when Israel was leaving Egypt. God had a pillar of fire, a pillar of safety before them and behind them. We need God in front of us and behind us. We need to be the center of his will. Amen. The enemy of your soul will try to do anything to come after you. Wherever you think you are strong, I tell you that is where he's going to come after you because your guard is down a little bit at that point. You see, it was David's responsibility to care for the safety of the sheep, no matter the size of the flock. His brother goes, You left those two sheep in the desert? It doesn't matter. Of he was caring for. It doesn't matter your strength. It doesn't matter any of that. All you have to do is be faithful. But listen, what is your responsibility as a person of faith? What is your responsibility? First Peter two says. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. That you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness to this wonderful light. Once you were not a, a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you received what is your responsibility as a person of faith? Well, certainly one responsibility is to declare the person of God who has called you out of darkness into the light, into the gospel of Jesus Christ, into his presence. David has already been chosen by God and anointed by Samuel to be the king of Israel back in chapter 16 of 1 
Sometime in the future, David will become king of Israel, and he will become the shepherd, listen to this, of heaven's father, flock, of God's flock. And will lead them into battle. David will need to be cunning and, and listen to the Lord if he is going to be king and defeat the enemies of Israel. But here in chapter 17, we learn that David is simply an ordinary man doing what his father asked him to do. I don't think it was on his mind he had been anointed by Samuel to be king. I don't think that's what it was at this time. It may have been in the back of his mind, but that's not what he's thinking. I don't believe. He was just doing what his father asked him to do. What are we to do? We're simply to do what God has put in our heart to do. See, David was so special except in a heart for God. David, in obeying his father's word, places his flock in the care of the shepherd and then takes the supplies he was told to and gives them to the keeper of the supplies and looks for his brother. David did David is inquisitive as to what was happening in the battle, I believe for two reasons, probably more, but he needed to report back to his father what was happening. He wanted to know how things were going. Remember, it's been 40 days that they've been lining up against each other. 40 days. There's been no fighting. We don't know fighting at this point. God is preparing David to lead the nation of Israel. David's passion for the nation of God and his heart of faith is what drives him to be the person of God that God is prepared. In 1 Samuel 15, we learn that, that Saul did not obey the command of the Lord and that Samuel had given him. Samuel was to completely destroy the Amalekites, but Saul did not have the king of the Amalekites, King Agag, killed. Instead, Saul allowed the king to live, and he also brought back the best of the animals. He was also told to destroy. Destroy everything is what God told him him that he was to do. When confronted, though, kind of like when confronted by Samuel, Saul attempted to tell Samuel that he had obeyed the Lord. Listen to this, 1 Samuel 15 and verse 20. But I did obey the Lord. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back, back to Agag, the king, the soldiers, to the sheep, from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God in order to sacrifice to them, to the Lord. You've got to give them. Friends, partial obedience is not obedience. Saul did not defend God. Saul did obey God. In several ways. 
Paul's disobedience to the Lord's command is what I believe is what we see to qualify Paul from being king. Paul allowed King Agag to live. Paul did not destroy everything of the Amalekites. Paul saved the best of the animals that were once devoted to a false god so they could sacrifice them to God. That way, if we use these animals, we want to use ours. We'll use these best animals over here and not use ours. And then Paul then tried to blame the soldiers for the He was told what to do. It was Paul who should have obeyed. Listen to this. Error, I've said this before, error mixed with truth is still error. But partial obedience is not obedience. You can't mix partial obedience with obedience and think that you're obeying. See, that's what Paul was doing. Both are sin. In First Samuel 15, starting verse 8, you can see exactly what Paul did. He took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive, and all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Paul and the army, verse 9, spared Agag, the best of the cattle, the fat calves, and lambs. Everything was good. These they were unwilling to do. Or completely, but everything that was despised and they totally destroyed. Who would have a problem getting rid of everything that's bad? No one would. But it, it, it's a little bit harder to obey when it's something that you that, hey, that looks good. That looks good. I don't want to keep that. They, they were unwilling to do all God told them to do. Paul was unwilling to do what the Lord had commanded him to do. Paul wanted what he wanted to do, not what God commanded him to do. And it tells us in 1.15.22, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as much as in obey the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to eat is better than a fat of rains. Verse 23. For rebellion is like a fool of and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. I'm going to ask you something. Have you ever considered or thought that the sin of disobedience or rebellion to be on the same level as divination or arrogance or like an evil of adultery or idolatry? Have you thought about that? So I believe God does sin all the time. We categorize sin. We make one easier or less sinful, the world white lies. It's okay. We don't understand. No. Because we all the truth. I doubt many people 
sins and say that I don't or the evil of idolatry. In 1 Samuel 16, we find David, the youngest of Jesse's sons, was anointed to be king. Samuel first saw Jesse firstborn and thought, this is the guy. But no. And then he sees the second. Well, surely it's this one. On and on and on, going through seven sons. Isn't there another one? Oh, yeah, there's the the youngest one who's out with the sheep. But all Samuel first thought it was Jesse's firstborn. But he And then David's three oldest brothers are the only names we find in the scripture when he's going through who's going to be appointed. First three sons. The oldest it's the same that are listed in chapter 16 and chapter 17 who were at the battle, who were passed over to be anointed king. The seven older brothers who were passed over would have had an awful attitude towards their younger brother David, who was anointed by Samuel. Think of it. David, the smallest, the youngest, the weakest, the least experienced is chosen before all the other brothers. This may have been one reason why his old brother accused David of being conceited, of having a, an evil heart. See, then there is a time that David is chosen to play the, the lyre and stringed instrument to comfort Saul when Saul was being tormented by an evil spirit. David's brother must become even more evil of David, being in the presence of the king. So when David arrived at the front line of the battle, the oldest brother accuses David of being conceited and having a wicked heart. But that's not that what he's doing. 1 Samuel 17, 28, it talks about, I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. No. He came down because his dad told him to. And he could be the command of God. It could be his father. See, it is David's oldest brother who had the heart of him. Not David. David is not perfect. But he has a heart of the Lord. You and I are perfect. But I tell you, if we have a heart for the Lord, we can accomplish great things. We fight battles because he goes before us. The reason David was selected to be anointed by God to be king was because of his heart, not because of what his look or his position was First Samuel 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things that man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at what? The heart. I want you to remember the nation of Israel was chosen for no other reason than God loved him. Deuteronomy 7, verse 6. 
says this, you are people holy to the Lord, your God. The Lord, your God, has chosen you out of all the people on the face of the earth to be his people. His treasure, possession. For the Lord did not set his affection on you or chose you because you were numerous, more numerous than other people. For you were the fewest of all people. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to the Father that he brought you out with a many hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore, the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God. Do you understand that? God has called out of darkness into the light to know Christ as Lord and Savior. He loves you. You are His child. You are chosen. He loves you. See, God often chooses people who are the youngest, the weakest, the poorest, the least educated, and the outcasts. God looks at the heart and not the outward appearance. The least expected person to do the work that God desires to be done is often the individual who the world would ignore or disregard. See, the world would most likely not have chosen any of the disciples. These were fishermen. They weren't trained men. The world would have chosen David to face Goliath or Rahab or Moses or Paul, or Ruth, or Esther, or Noah, or Isaiah. Many of whom would have been passed over. They didn't look the part of the outward. They didn't have the credentials. Their background was acceptable. Some of them were, were not of Israel. They were not seen as being the most successful to the world or of the world. But God looked at the heart and not the outward appearance or the physical abilities. You may say, I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know how I can talk to them about Christ. But tell me about your experience. Your experience, you are a professional of your experience. There is no one else who knows your experience more better than you. You can share your love and faith of God. You can tell of, of what God has done in your life because it is first-hand experience. But see, David was looked down upon by his brothers. David was looked down upon by Goliath. Saul will tell David that he had no chance against a warrior like Goliath. David was inexperienced, young, small in nature. David, like many spiritual giants, would, would have been chosen last if he was a king. How many of you were ever chosen last or not chosen at first? There were a few of us. But we've been successful in what we've done, what God has called us to do. God calls us because of our heart. Saul will tell David, you have 
no chance. And David, like many spiritual giants, would have chosen that to be able to do. And yet, in David, who God selects to be anointed by Samuel, and David is the one who defeats Goliath on the top of the word of God. The same John in his parents, boy named David, the one who defeats Goliath, while Paul and the entire Israel who were experienced looked on in fear. David honored the Lord in heart. David was focused on God Almighty. David believed in his heart that Goliath is uncircumcised. Philistine, who defied the army of the living God, was no match for God. David's faith was in the Lord, and that faith was much bigger than the enemies that he faced. David did not fight Goliath for his own glory, but what? For the glory and praise of God. He didn't do it for his own profit, for his own praise, but David fought Goliath for the glory of God. David's uh, deep passion for God. David's concern for God's honor and reputation. David had a confidence in God and not in his own ability. See, within this story, we find two different hearts. A heart for God and a jealous, envious heart of David's older brother. David's heart was focused on defending the name of God and removing the reproach from off the Israelites and off God's name. The heart of his brother was focused on himself. He accuses David of having an evil heart motive for being at that battle. David's brother accuses David of being conceited and wicked. This came from his heart, I believe. A heart that was not a heart for God. It came from a heart that was consumed with anger rather than love for his brother. David's heart was God's focus. His focus was God and looking to the future. His brother's heart was judgmental and jealous. He was focused on self and past. Spiritual battles will arise when the least expected. Always be on guard and See, David was not expecting to take the life that day. He was just expecting to go to take the, the prize, see his brother, get word, and head back home. He wasn't expecting to take. Goliath that day, but he was ready in his heart to stand and defend the glory of God Almighty. David was focused on God's reputation. David ignored the false accusations of his brother and solely focused on the importance of the battle. David refused to be distracted or entangled in an argument with his brother. If you read that what have I done now? It's something that, that we probably, you know, what have I done now? If you are at one or two siblings and you're the youngest, what have I done now? It's probably words you've said a number of times. What have I done now? 
but David was focused on God's reputation. He refused to be distracted or entangled in an argument with his brother. Instead, David remained steadfast in faith. Paul and the whole Israelite army took their eyes off of, of the real battle, took it off, took it off of God. They allowed their hearts to become fearful. Their spiritual eyes were blinded to the real battle that was before them. See, they were really clear in natural eyes and saw this problem was being bigger than God. There is no problem bigger than God. There's no sickness, there's nothing. Whatever you're facing, there's nothing bigger than God. They had forgotten that the battle was the Lord's. Over time, Paul and the army had followed his leading and developed a sensitive, rebellious heart. Saul was leading his army, and that army followed Saul and became insensitive and had this rebellious heart. The insensitiveness and rebellious heart started long before that day. Remember how they rebelled and refused to completely destroy the Amalekites? Oh, they, they destroyed the weak and despised enemies, but they kept the best of the time. First Samuel 15, they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that they were despised and weak they totally destroyed. Remember, to obey is better than sacrifice. Every physical battle you face in life will have a spiritual aspect to it. Consider what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 12, starting at verse 7. To keep me from being conceited because of these uh, past great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So God's power, God's glory is revealed in a greater way in weakness. He continues, Therefore, I will, Paul says, I will boast all the more. Gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, and persecution, in difficulty. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Listen, decide in your heart that the battle is the Lord's. Decide and know in your heart that whatever you face in life, you are not alone. The battle may look impossible in your eyes, but it is not impossible to God Almighty. Don't look at the situation only with your natural eyes. Look at them through eyes of faith, with your spiritual eyes wide open, and have a heart for God like David had a heart for God. Allow me to leave you with these two scriptures. As you know, David wrote Psalms. Psalms 119.28. He wrote this, My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to the word. Keep me from deceitful ways. Be gracious to me through your law. I have chosen the way of truth. I have set my heart on your laws. I hold fast to your 
oh Lord, do not let me be put to shame. I run to the path of your commandment, for you have set my heart free. They have dedicated a passion for God of the new son Solomon. Solomon said this. He wrote to us, Proverbs 25, Trust the Lord with all your heart, and not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge that you will make your path straight. Let God's glory be paramount glory, a paramount goal in the heart, as it was with David, in David's heart. So let me ask, what is paramount in your heart and life? God, God's glory. Remember always the battle of the Lord's, and He will get the glory. And your time, feel your word to your heart, and Holy Spirit, draw upon your word in times of need, in times of doubt, and in times we've been tempted. You've been listening to Pastor Rich Rogers with Faith Chapel Church in Pleasanton, California. If you've been encouraged by this message, we'd like to hear from you. You can contact us, listen to other sermons, and learn more at agfaithchapel.org. If you would like to give to the ministry of Faith Chapel to reach the community and our missionaries around the world, go to agfaithchapel.org give. Thank you and God bless you.